player two, you're awake. It's me, Kitty M, the All Geek, here to take you through the land of Pog. No wonder you're here. I've seen what's been happening in Meat Space, and oh, it's also divided there. It's like the world is on fire, and literally large parts of the world are on fire. But don't worry, in the land of Pog, we like to keep things simple. Which is why, in this journey, we're going to be discovering what it is that constitutes good and evil. Sounds complicated. That's because it is. No simple answers these days, player two. But I think you're ready for it. Come on, let's go. Empire vs. the Rebels, Decepticons vs. Autobots, Horde vs. Alliance Scum. In all the universes that we inhabit as geeks and nerds, there's a single thread that joins them. It doesn't run through every episode or installment or issue, but it's there. It lurks at the edges, other times it's right on the front cover. Every story boils down to it. You peel away the love interest, the pithy lines, the explosions. It's always, always been about one thing. Good versus evil. Of course, now someone's going to disagree with me. But they're wrong, so why don't we just pop into this elevator? It's going to take us to the core of Pog. Elevator going down. Because this discussion is about the core of all geekery. I think that good and evil are two points on a moral spectrum, and that we can measure ourselves on that spectrum. More importantly, we like to measure ourselves. My proof? The latest internet quiz that went around? I could be talking about any one, but specifically at this point, the one that can tell you who you are in a myriad of imaginary worlds, from Seinfeld to Alien... You answer questions and it tells you how your self-assessment measures up against characters from geekdoms. But this isn't the first, nor will it be the last, of such assessments. We love them. And by we, I am specifically talking about nerds and geeks. Our fandoms have been engaging in this type of self-assessment of moral compasses and viewpoints for decades. Think about it, Batman or Superman. Magneto or Professor X, Autobot or Decepticon, which Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle are you, which Planeteer, which Animorph, which Hogwarts House, which Babysitter, which character in Star Trek. On a sliding scale of Morty to Rick, where do you sit? It's all about morality. Are you the good guy? Are you the bad guy? Why do you want to be either one? Someone is going to get upset with me saying this. I can hear them now. Why are you making it all political? Geekery isn't political. Stop pushing your agenda. No. Not stopping. Literally, politics is in the title of the podcast now. Getting angry with me bringing politics into geekery is like watching the Batman movie where Snyder's involved and complaining it's too gritty. What did you think was going to happen? It was already canon. I'm just making it obvious. Also, this is fun. And you know it is. You just don't want to admit it. That you enjoy thinking about things. All your favourite stories have so many more layers. So come on. Give in to temptation. 
think. With that quiz that went around in the spirit of full disclosure, my results said I was 85% match with Azula from The Last Airbender. In fact, I consistently matched with the bad guy from every universe that had one. The universes that didn't have bad guys, I matched with the bitter, cynical, loudly pessimistic people. The results were, for me, one of the greatest achievements of my life in any test. I've never been more proud of myself, and I was a kid who excelled at standardised testing. Though I would be lying if I said there isn't a little part of me that isn't... concerned. But I'm always concerned I'm the bad guy. I'd be a whole lot more worried, though, if I was consistently the good guy. Because remember, that quiz was a self-assessment. I think there's something inherently dangerous in thinking you're the good guy. Because if you think you're the good guy, you may never think to ask. floor reached. Oh, we're here. This is as far down as the elevator goes. We'll have to go the rest of the way on foot. Gives us a chance to walk through the ruins, the old world, the stories we built our stories on. None of it was perfect. Some of it was completely problematic. A perfect place to ask, then. Are we the baddies? I like to ask this question a bit. Mainly because it reminds me of the Mitchell and Webb skit, which you should watch if you haven't already, and also I think David Mitchell is a bit cute, and I like to think about him. I know, he's just constantly angry all of the time, but turns out that's what I find attractive. I also like to ask that question because in the real world we don't have a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. We don't have butlers or crickets who can act as our conscience, our moral guides. At best, we have the people around us, and I don't know whether you've noticed the everything, but the world is divided. The people around us are less like sounding boards and more like echo chambers. Whether we're the baddies is an old question. We've been trying to work out how to do good for as long as we've been doing evil. But as always, I think the answer, or at least part of it, lies in geekdom. Let's be honest, humans aren't good at working out what is good and evil. If you don't believe me, play a game of D&D, or anything where you choose a moral alignment and watch people make mistakes. Someone plays an evil character, and they're mean to everyone. They kill or threaten everyone all of the time. Someone plays a good character, and they think everything they do is therefore inherently good. But that's not how that works. Evil isn't always mean. It's charming. It's manipulative. It's seductive. Good isn't always popular. It's lonely and it's difficult. It's not free from harm. Now, D&D has some issues across the board with good and evil, which can be its own chat all by itself, and we've got other things to go deep into. But if you're unfamiliar, the really quick and dirty version is that in D&D, up until very recently, certain races and gods were considered evil and others good. But you can choose your player's alignment no matter what, and a dungeon master or mistress chooses non-player character alignments. These alignments help you make decisions for your character, how you roleplay, how you fight, whether you run away. Within the spectrum of good and evil, you have lawful, neutral and chaotic, and just like the meanings of the words good and evil, there are disagreements about what those mean. And there's an incredibly recent example within D&D that shows how much people haven't actively thought about it with the way people responded to a combat wheelchair supplement 
for D&D. It was created by Sarah Thompson. Uh, You may know her on Twitter at Mustangs Art. She created the supplement so that people in wheelchairs in meat space can play heroes that are like them. People, not all of them, but some very loud ones, were upset because their logic told them that in the D&D setting, folks with any disability would be cured magically, so therefore no need for wheelchairs. Some even went as far as to say they would create a good NPC, non-player character, to heal the character with the wheelchair. As Sarah pointed out when she tweeted about this, that is eugenics, my dudes. Personally, I think any DM with their dice should know that's a bad move. I mean, as a person, you should also know that as well. If you don't know what eugenics are, it's basically this idea that presents itself like it's min-maxing human offspring in a character creation format. In non-D&D terms, it's breeding humans so we turn out a certain way that a group of people have deemed superior. You don't have to necessarily breed humans, you can just enhance them, erase things that get in the way of them being perfect humans. Sounds like less of a good idea when you think of it outside of a character sheet, huh? But let's talk about this in terms of D&D and morality. A good character wouldn't just heal someone in a wheelchair. They might think about it. They might offer it. But they wouldn't just do it. Because even if they're not aware of the politics of eugenics and erasure of identities that don't fit the norm, if for no other reason then a good character would be asking consent before doing anything like that. But I see why people think a good character would heal a disabled player's character. Healing is good. If you heal, you're good. But what are you doing when you heal? What are you erasing? Just because you think it's not hurting someone doesn't mean it's not doing harm. There's plenty of examples of people who think they're helping but do so without considering the sentience of the other being. That's why the history of medicine is filled with lobotomies, hysterectomies, shock treatments, and leeches. Because it's so easy to assume you're the good guy. Because the other guys, those are the baddies. Not us. Never us. Right? This is why we have the Batman vs Superman discussions. It doesn't even have to be about Batman vs Superman. Because those discussions aren't about who's stronger. It's about whether if it came down to it, if we were wrong about who the good guy really was, could good still triumph over evil? We've all seen Batman vs Superman, and if you watch the Ultimate Edition, you know Snyder's a genius, but the story, which, yes, did have to include Batman killing people, because Batman kills people, but also it speaks to the complexity of good and the question of usefulness of moral purity. One of the major points of Batman vs Superman as a theme is how we view actions as moral or immoral, with two characters of justice representing opposing views. To Superman, it's obvious. Batman is a vigilante, a criminal who punishes criminals, but is still a criminal. A dangerous, violent individual with numerous weapons at their disposal, a person stoking the flames of aggression, who is not upholding any sort of real moral code and is driven by revenge and anger. 
To Batman, Superman is a walking A-bomb who can destroy the world if he so chooses. He might be doing the right thing, but for how long and for who? How long can this being be expected to live by the rules of humanity? Batman, possibly better than anyone else, understands the danger of being the dispenser of justice. How long before it all turns bad? And they're both correct, but their viewpoints are reached because they don't know the other guy. They don't know why or how he sees what he's doing as the right way to do it. I don't mean to spoil the movie or literally the entire arc, but the reason these guys come together is to fight because they have a common goal. Their core values are the same, but their way of getting to that endpoint is very different and it causes conflict between them. That's natural. It's also usually, from what I know of Meatspace, pretty standard and not a bad thing. Conflict can give you new ways of thinking about things, new ways of moving forward. Think of two cogs together. Their conflict moves things. It's just where you want things to move that's important. And the problem is telling good from evil is difficult a lot of the time. Not all of the time. Uh, Nazis are bad, billionaires are immoral, healthcare is a human right. Those statements are no less true because working out good versus evil on a more mundane level is difficult. What a non-comic book related version of that? Tucker and Dale versus evil. That movie will make you question for a really long time what evil might actually look like. Take one of the greatest animations I've ever seen. Megamind. It's beautiful in the way it twists the narrative about the supervillain. Back to comic books, because we should always return back to comic books. Black Adam is one of the best anti-hero heroes. And the reason we geeks need to look at this is because our stuff, our geekdoms, are being misappropriated. Our stories are being twisted so that people get the wrong idea about who the bad guys really are. We've all seen it. It's been around for over a decade at least. You've got the Red Pillars, who reference the Matrix, which is about gender transition, but also has a more universal theme of the human condition as it relates to the freedom from systems of oppression. But the Red Pillars are pretty sure it's about how men are oppressed because they don't think the wage gap is real. The ones who reference Fight Club, without realising it's actually an indictment not only on the treatment of Gen X, but a failure of inadequate healthcare systems in a society riddled with the ills of late-stage capitalism, which is just popping pills of consumerism, rather than getting the much-needed therapy it deserves. The ones who are upset that Superman defends undocumented Americans while seeming to completely miss the fact that Superman was an undocumented American. The ones who think overtly stating that Wonder Woman is a feminist is rewriting history, despite the literal history of the writing of Wonder Woman. The ones who share memes comparing our current global COVID crisis with V for Vendetta. Memes that are made either by those willfully misconstruing or straight up not understanding the underlying message against authoritarian regimes and their use of racism and otherism to control the masses. The ones who complain about Antifa, which stands for anti-fascist. But they're the same people who enjoy the work of Jack Kirby and Christopher Lee, men who literally did more than just punch Nazis. 
or Del Toro, Alan Moore, even Tolkien. Tolkien, who has problems, but still, he didn't like Nazis. None of them like or liked Nazis or fascists and specifically have used either their work or their words to say exactly that. I don't think people who share those memes, by the way, are necessarily the bad guys. They're just sharing something they think is true. And it's packaged up to seem believable. And we've all done that. We all buy into the idea that because someone said, this guy's the good guy, we believed them. Ooh, we're at the lava lake. This reminds me of that scene in Star Wars with Obi-Wan. He's literally got the high ground. Anakin literally roasting in his own hatred. Because that's all that moment was. An interaction that summed up the good guy and the bad guy, right? But only if we ignore that Anakin was a young man with immense power and severe emotional issues who was told to bury all of that away so that a militant organisation could train him to be a weapon for the government. So who are the bad guys? It always seems obvious. I can usually tell who the bad guy is by asking these two questions. Am I attracted to this character? Do I want to be the one that fixes them? Yes and yes? High chance they're the bad guy and actually says more about my dating life than you could possibly imagine. We like to have an obvious bad guy. Recently I've seen a lot of pop culture try and make it really obvious. They do this by linking bad guys and organisations to Nazis, who are, without any doubt, the bad guys. When I'm talking about bad guys here, I want you to know I'm completely ignoring those retcons and links. Because... And this is going to come as a shock. I don't like Nazis. I'm not here to defend or give any credence to them. Also, I find the linking of all bad characters and organisations to Nazis as a weak plot device. I'm not saying never have Nazis in a story works beautifully in Hellboy. But by explicitly linking them to all bad guys in every universe as a way of saying, oh no, they're definitely bad, the critique of heroes is silenced. If Hydra are completely entangled with Nazis, then dissent against the tactics and obvious imperialism of S.H.I.E.L.D. cannot be heard. Nazis aren't a trope. They're a threat to everyone. And much like in Dead Snow, they're back. Now that I've definitely reached my quota of saying Nazis are bad in the pod, though no promises, I could say they're bad later on, because they still are. Let's turn to the bad guys who are less real. Joker is a great example of a bad guy. Not just because he does some truly atrocious things, but because he's kind of relatable. It's not a free pass to be him, but I think at least some of us, that it just takes one bad day, makes a lot of sense. The point you get pushed to where you just wish you didn't have any restraints or guilt so you could just do whatever you want. Does that make him evil? I don't know. I think the intriguing thing for Joker is he feels like chaos, but he's always got a plan. Maybe that is truly evil. Lex Luthor is definitely a man with a plan, but he's not intentionally sketching out evil deeds over his first cup of coffee in the morning. It's not a KPI for him. He wants power. 
He wants to run the world a certain way. He's basically Bruce Wayne without the unresolved rage of childhood trauma. Do Bezos, Musk and Gates think they're the bad guys? No, they think they're the good guys. Magneto, often depicted as a morally grey character at best, isn't a typical bad guy, but not really a good guy. I see Darth Vader in the same vein, and before you say I can't say that, I, I just did. Do you think if Batman or Magneto had Darth Vader's powers, they wouldn't just be him in equally cool outfits? Azula from Last Airbender is someone who wants power and stability. She wants to be recognised for her considerable skills. She's also raised in an environment where it's better to wield the fire than be burned by it, literally. Lord Vetinari from Discworld, he's lawful evil. He wants power, he wants to be in control, and he has that, and he doesn't mind the dispatching of people to have that power and control. But he has morals. He has rules. He understands there has to be order, or there is no power. Similar is true for the bad guy in Aragon. He's this big, powerful, bad guy wizard. But I remember reading in the last book that they discover he has all these little spells on hinges of doors in the city he was running to make them easy to open for the people. It's a small consideration and doesn't make up for all the bad stuff, but what if he wasn't necessarily as bad as we were led to believe? That always made me question, what if we'd been following the villain the entire time. So what do all these characters do that makes them bad? Well, I think the common denominator is that they're relentless and without bonds. They want to change the world to mould it into a certain way of being, and they will step over people to get to it. And a good guy would never do that. Oh, well, here we are. The Great Chasm. Don't worry, there's a trick to it. It's like that bridge in the Indiana Jones movie. That guy was great, right? Fought Nazis, punched a heap of them, had to deal with people trying to literally rip out of his heart. He was a good guy, except for all those times he was plundering ancient culturally significant sites, usually grave sites, and yelling, that belongs in a museum. <laughs> Colonialism, the gift that keeps on taking. What separates the bad guys from the good guys? Empire versus Rebel, Sith versus Jedi, pretty standard split between good and evil. Except it's not that simple. Don't get me wrong, not a big fan of Palpatine. But the Senate was corrupt and who do you think the Jedi were in the whole scheme of things? The ones who were all about bringing order to the Force in a chaotic galaxy they were in charge of policing. The Jedi were a Praetorian guard with light-up swords, a military organisation that consistently did not act in the best interest of the people but instead in the best interest of business. That's before we get into how their hypocrisy turns their organisation into a Sith manufacturer. The rebels, I'd love to say I see their point, but what were they fighting for? Can you tell me without Googling? The rebels have a history with being okay with killing civilians. This dates all the way back to Rogue One, or if you like the original series, where they blow up the Death Star with those contractors. If you don't get that reference, please watch Clerks, but not with small children. But I get why people think that the Rebels are good, and I don't know if they're bad. We need a better example. Cobra Command versus G.I. Joe. That should be pretty simple. An overbearing authoritarian force that's slowly enveloping the world with its tendrils of war. You think I'm talking about Cobra Command, huh? 
No. G.I. Joe with the Imperial Force. Cobra Commander just being honest about liking what they do. And for the record, the Baroness never had tiny robots telling her what to do. Starship Troopers. A violent, sadistic species with a strict societal structure based on capabilities and resources available, invades the homeworld of a species with the capabilities of war, but otherwise has seemingly left everyone else alone? That's us. I'm talking about we invaded the bugs. Ghosts of Mars is the same, except with ghosts on Mars. Loki in the sagas often considered the bad guy, but why? He gets the gods into some predicaments, but so does Odin. Odin is the one who's like, dudes, and also Freya. I had this dream, and it's like Fenrir is going to eat me at the end of the world, and so we have to chain him up. And they do that. And in the process, Tyr loses a hand, and spoiler alert, though not really, those stories have been out for a while, Odin still gets eaten by the wolf. It's just now Tyr doesn't have a hand. Loki, whenever he does something that could lose the gods something, usually Freya because everyone wants to marry her, but also Sif's hair that time, whenever he does something, he makes up for it. Odin, not so much. But who's the bad guy? Everyone thinks Loki. Because that's what you're told. Also, that one time he got really super drunk. Similar issues with Autobots versus Decepticons or Voltron versus the Drool, who, by the way, were just looking for somewhere to live, and every time they did, Voltron shows up, Jeff is the head, they slaughter the Drool with their weapon of mass destruction while selling us on the propaganda, if you got the English dubs, that the Drool are just robots. See? Even your good guys are bad guys. You either die a hero or live long enough to have your actions judged by a nerd on a podcast. Here it is. The core. The energy that powers geekery. The constant struggle between good and evil, powered by those questions that bubble up when we're examining our stories. Does this make you a bad guy? That you didn't notice before? Probably not. I'm not pointing out how all your heroes might be baddies because I like ruining things, though I do love ruining things. I'm pointing this out because I want you to understand how easy it is to think you're the good guy. If you can think that, so can other people. I don't think a lot of stories are written to make you think about whether the good guy is actually good, because they're written by humans and we're bad at seeing when we're the bad guys, or even when we're creating fictional ones when our intention was to create good guys. History really is written by the victors. They decide the narrative, so they decide when a bad act is a good act, and it's no wonder we have trouble working it out. We have to think we're definitely the good guys. We are already geared up to believe it. We can go back to Batman vs Superman. If two of the most well-known superheroes could make that mistake of thinking they were definitely the good guy and the other guy was the bad guy, why couldn't you? So who are the good guys? How do you get to be one? You don't. We don't. I think because good is often hard to define. Evil in its purest form is obvious, and to an extent, easy. Good is debatable, and in its purest form, so complicated it feels unattainable. At least right now. I try not to think about being the good guy. 
but I do think a lot about not doing harm, and by extension of that, doing good. Good, to me, is looking at where imbalance lies and trying to correct it, in whatever way I can, which is usually small, maybe insignificant. But doing it anyway. I'm not a unique snowflake in that. I think the majority of people want what is fair, they just don't think it's possible. And what's worse is there's this idea, this terrible, horribly dishonest idea, that we're going to have to give up what little we have so that others have something. That's where evil gets the foothold. It tells you that, yeah, this thing is bad, but the good thing is going to steal from you. The good thing, as good as you know it is, is going to mean you have less. Resources are limited. It's a lie. It's like with Batman. Everyone has an opinion about what kind of Batman they want to see, which is fine, I don't care. You can have a wrong opinion about Snyder's Batman. It's not valid, but you can have it. The problem is when you act like the latest Batman somehow invalidates all of the Batman incarnations that came before it. If you don't like that it's gritty, I don't know what to tell you about the superhero who was carved out of a violent childhood trauma and whose only superpowers is his intelligence and rage, all of which stops him from maintaining strong bonds with most people. But just so you know, when it comes to Batman, superheroes in general, and the world's resources, there's enough to go around. The problem is not other people wanting their share, the problem is the people at the top doling out scraps and saying, mm, that's all there is. You can do good things, and it's not going to take away from what you have. But being a good guy? If a good guy is a point where you don't do harm, you don't hold bad thoughts, you don't impinge on someone else in any way, sorry, you're never going to get there. Good is a constantly shifting goalpost that moves every time we realise we've been doing things in a harmful way. It's probably why we're drawn to folktales, movies, stories about heroes who go and do the thing and then they're good at the end, even if they weren't that great to begin with, and then that's it. But as Josh Groban sang in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, life doesn't make narrative sense. There's no riding off into the sunset fade to black roll credits. I mean, eventually, there is fade to black roll credits. But hopefully there's quite a few scenes between your first and last. The answer is frustrating. If you're like me, you'd like a definite roadmap on how to do the thing, and then the thing happens, and then we're just good, and there's no more struggle. And there's plenty of roadmaps. Loads of people with theories. Entire schools of thought on ethics and morality, but let's keep it simple. In pop culture, what people have to stay good or close enough to it is other people, and thinking in depth about what they're doing and correcting themselves. Batman has Alfred and his Batcave. Superman has his Fortress of Solitude and Lois. The Justice League has the Justice League. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have each other and Splinter. And that's not the same, by the way, as saying all opinions are equal and you should treat them as such. Nope. There's a reason Batman consults with Alfred and not the Joker. Batman recognises that Alfred has a connection and a history and a knowledge of the world that Bruce Wayne cannot. He also knows that Alfred has compassion far greater than his. Those two reasons are why he listens to Alfred. 
He doesn't always take it on board. He doesn't always do what Alfred says, but he listens to him. He allows for Alfred's viewpoint in his thinking because he knows it's important to have that discussion. He also investigates things. He tries to work out why someone is doing something. The viewpoint he brings to the Justice League is different again from Wonder Woman's or Superman's or anyone else's. He's one part of the collective trying to do good in all their different ways, just like you are. So, how do we beat the bad guy? This is where pop culture sets us up for the fall. Video games and tabletop roleplay games teach us to get rid of the mobs, the henchmen, and they tell us those are also the bad guys. The more smaller bad guys you beat, the more XP you get, the more skill points you build, you build your skill tree, you can beat the big bad. But that's not how life works. No matter what an algorithm on social media would have you believe, trust me, I'm vegan. Do you know how many people aren't vegan? And how many people became vegan because someone like me yelled at them until they were like, you know what, maybe pigs do want to live. Because the answer is few to none. That holds true for most things, no matter how good they are. Being antagonistic to everyone who holds a counter view will not bring anyone over to your side. Most of the bad guys you're likely to actually come across in the meat space are like the drool in the English dub Voltron. They come across as bad people working for bad leaders, and you never have to think about why they're doing it. They're doing it because they're bad, right? No. You have to investigate the reasoning behind their actions. I guarantee your bigoted relative who shares conspiracy memes is not doing it thinking, ooh, a few more QAnon posts and then I'll be able to cash in my evil points for a free tote bag. No, they're probably just scared. The world is failing and we need to do something fundamentally different to fix it, but fundamentally different is scary to humans. Don't believe me? See, any time they've rebooted anything ever. So instead, people hold on to what they think they know is true. They easily believe the people who play on their darkest fears. That's why I think to really beat the baddies, the real baddies, we need to not default to rolling intimidation and performance when we talk to the henchmen. Instead, we need to use persuasion sometimes. We need to meet people where they are. Don't mistake anything I'm about to say as me saying we shouldn't protest, we should. But protest is how you answer the inequality of a system. What I'm talking about is answering the unequal weighting of opinions in our own circles. You don't have to listen to me on this, and I want you to know, I break my own rules. Because people are infuriating, and they make bad faith arguments like it's the first time you've heard their supercalifragilisticexpressionalidocious. Someone will come at you with a tired argument about a thing you've already answered and expect the answer again to them specifically. So I don't manage to follow my own good sense every time. And I'm not asking you to. But here's what I know. I've never changed anyone's mind by ridiculing them or making them feel terrible with no way out. The thought I try and keep in my head when I have a difficult conversation with people about how to make the world better is do I want to fight or do I want to win? We need to take a lesson from the Scooby gang. Unmask the real villain. As much as I love fighting, and I love fighting, 
I know the way I win is by getting people who have different view but the same core values and needs on my side. Solidarity, big tense, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Most people, even the most disagreeable ones, have a foot each side. It's not that big of a leap. We all want food on the table and a roof over our head. This happens in small ways. You're not going to have one conversation and change someone's mind. Like every supervillain or hero, no person starts out the way you're seeing them now. Their views build up over time and it's going to take time to dismantle them. But, much like with Batman and Superman, the key to ending the fight is recognising that there is a common enemy. Us and Them is great for algorithms, movie posters, and making sure we never get progress. None of that is the same as winning. And with that, you're welcome. I've uh, solved all issues forever and ever. I'm sure my peace prize is in the mail, because we still have a post office here in Australia. I hope you will do that quiz player too. And if, like me, you end up with all the bad guys, don't feel bad about it. Judging by that quiz, I'm passionate, I enjoy structure, I'm strong-willed and opinionated. I see the world as it is, which is not perfect, and I'm frustrated I can't put things in boxes. But that's okay. That doesn't make me the bad guy, it just means that's my personality. What I choose to do with it is up to me. That's what geekdom's taught me. Also, I should never be allowed my own gun dumb, because can you imagine? Do not trust me with anything with lasers. I feel that would be too much power for me. If you need a way to work out whether you're being moral, I think pop culture gives us a good framework for thinking about real-world problems. It's a way for us to run the simulation, ask the questions, delve in a little deeper. But remember that in Meatspace and Interblag, your discussions are with real people, and what is theoretical for you is their lived experience, so be kind when you're trying to work this out. I hope you enjoyed this player too. A lot of hours go into making this. I know, you'd think it'd be better. If you do want to pay me back, then what I would really love is if you take the time to talk to people in your immediate circle. If you can, show them that passion they have for freedom and equality, and I guarantee they have that passion, that it could be better spent combating some real problems. Also, you're going to have to need to start getting interested in politics outside of geekery. You're going to have to find answers for people. But not today. And don't worry, you won't be doing it alone. Right now, though, go and do whatever small thing lets you sit in a bubble for a while. You deserve it. You can catch me on the Interblag at the Hell site Twitter at ChaosKittyM. I've also got a blog, Is It My Pitch? Sometimes it's geeky, sometimes it's just political, but it's mine. Until next time, player two.